Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Charlie Bird. And I'm Ben Shalati. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. We are not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, will God change my orientation? Charlie and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both love going to orientations. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, I had an orientation today and Ben did not. <laughs> Which is sad because I really do love going to orientations. I do too. There's so many things to learn. And especially if I'm like excited to do something and then I get there, I'm like, oh yeah, teach me everything. Orient me. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like you get paid, but you don't have to do anything. And they like give you treats often. Like here's a pamphlet and a candy bar that goes with it. I did not get paid for today's orientation. Oh, it was free. How was it? It was pretty good. I liked it. It's for my internship, for my grad program. So hmm. uh, like my dream orientation would be like to get hired at Disney World and have like a three day orientation. It's actually called Disney U. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on quick because we'll get distracted real quick if we get Ben talking about Disney. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. OK, so we would like to pr- provide a variety of voices and, and perspectives. But today we're joined by nobody. Today we're talking about a pretty sensitive topic, and when we do that, sometimes we feel like it's better for it just to be us, just so if anyone takes the heat, it can be us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, also, I was thinking about like the things I'm going to say and how scary the things I say would have been to like 22 year old me. Yeah. Definitely. And I just want to you know say things in like a sensitive way, so like 22 year old Ben wouldn't be freaked out. Yeah. As far as credibility is concerned, we are not theologians, we're not religious or spiritual leaders, but we are same-sex attracted, and we both spend a lot of time and effort seeking for God to change our sexual orientations. So it's maybe a little bit tricky. We're not trying to speak for God, but we're just going to share some of our past experiences that have led us to healthier mental and emotional spaces. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So as I was like thinking about what I wanted to say today, uh, I heard a quote recently that was a problem well-defined is a problem half solved. And for me, I think the main problem with me being gay and, you know, all the issues of like shame and depression and, uh, like wishing I was dead, like it came from that was this question, like, will God change my orientation? So if I were to find like the problem that led to like most of my issues, it was, I believed that God was going to make me straight. Yeah. Or, or at least I believed that I had to be straight in order to have a place with God. Yes, right? exactly. And like in order to be worthy or good enough or righteous enough that there's something about me fundamentally that needed to be changed. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of that was that I had this belief that like all things are possible through Christ. And so like, like viewing it as some sort of like spiritual or life defect, it just seems so obvious to me that God would change my orientation because that is what God does. Like he fixes spiritual defects. Yeah. And, and like, and like going on with that, like first Nephi three, seven, that says, you know, if God will prepare a way for us to, to live his commandments. I thought, well, God has commanded me to be married to a woman and therefore he will provide the way for that. And that includes changing my orientation. Yeah. And but, I remember my, my dad has apologized for this like dozens of times, like dozens of times. So don't give hate to my dad. Uh, but he really heavily encouraged me to go to therapy like two months after I came out to my parents. And I told him I didn't need to go to therapy to change my orientation. And I, and I said, God could fix me if he wanted to. And my dad has really bad eyesight. And he said, Ben, God, could fix my eyesight, but instead he gave me glasses, which is actually a really lovely metaphor. Um, so he was saying, you know, maybe God is going to change your orientation through therapy. Yeah. And 
And so I went because I really believed that like, and, and like the question for me wasn't like, like, can God change my orientation? It was like, when is he going to do it? Hmm. And did you go to therapy? I did. Yeah. What was it like a conversion therapist? You should listen to, should I go to therapy? Cause I talk about it. I there. know, but <laughs> talk about it again. Um, give us some juice. <laughs> give us the details. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was a therapist at BYU at the counseling center there. And like, you had to fill out like all these forms, like, like a stack of forms. And now it's all just electronic. Uh, like, after so this was like 17 years ago. This was in 2008. This was January, like 13. This was ago. January, 2008. Yeah. Okay. And I had to answer all these questions about like, like what was going on in my life. And then at the end there was like questions for additional comment. I said, I want to change my orientation. Like I wrote something like that. And mm-hmm. so when I got into the therapy room, like the therapist, like ignored all the papers. I had like filled out like these dozens of questionnaires. And, and then he like looked at the paper where I'd like written that I wanted to change my orientation. And he just like set the paper down nonchalantly and said, well, this is easy to fix. And I went twice and he, and he told me how to change my orientation. Basically what he said was every time I got aroused, I was just supposed to think of a woman. And he walked me through all the beautiful parts of a, of a woman's body and told me that whenever I got aroused to just think of, of those parts of, of a woman's body and that would change my orientation. And then I, Ugh. I felt so uncomfortable that I made a follow-up appointment cause I didn't know how to tell him that I couldn't go back. And then I left and called later and, and like told the secretary to cancel my appointment. She said, when do you want to reschedule? I said, well, I don't know. And then I just never rescheduled. So I just went twice. You ghosted your therapist. I did ghost my therapist, which actually happens quite a bit. Well, I'm glad you ghosted that therapist. Just a quick plug for BYU Psychological Services. It is uh, not really like that anymore. I actually went there for my orientation as well and had a very like orientation affirming faith affirming therapist that was not like that at all i'm sorry you had that experience yeah same with me when i went like three years ago so yeah i mean the person i talked to was like old back then i mean he's long gone well the thing is like i felt gross when you were saying that i just felt gross because it is just kind of like not healthy you know it's it's based in this defective idea it's like there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed yeah. Um, you know, Charlotte, sorry to interrupt, but like, I think that's like the root of what, you, like the problem for me, like being like my orientation was this defect that I had yeah. to fix. And so this question, like, will God change my orientation? Like for me, it was rooted in the fact that like I was broken and this part of me had to be fixed. Well, and that even goes into the way we talk about it. And like the vernacular in this religious space is very focused on like struggle, like a struggle with same sex attraction or a temporary condition or something that you're working through. And that paints it in this light of this is something that needs to change and also gives the hope that it will. It it like plants a spiritual hope that God will change it because it's wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So when I was like 25, I was like in a good place emotionally and I decided to write a book about being gay. I wouldn't have said gay back then. And I only wrote one page because I was like 25 and wouldn't I know. But the first page, I made an analogy about how much I love Cinnabons and I felt like for my entire life, I just was going to get carrots. And like, that's how I, that's how I viewed things. Like, like I want to live this life where I can have a Cinnabon, but instead the only life I can live is this life where I just get to eat carrots all the time. I just felt like I was never going to enjoy life. Carrots are women. (laughs) In in your analogy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love carrots. (laughs) Well, I love Cinnabons. (laughs) And um, I, I eat carrots because they're good for me, yeah. but I'd rather eat a Cinnabon. Anyway, yeah, that's that's sad. That's yeah. Well, so, so the reason I bring all that up is like, I just kind of felt like I was doomed to a life of like lesser happiness. Yeah. And there just like wasn't a way that I was going to live like, a, like it was like I was going to get a, like the highest grade I could get in life, like happiness wise was like a C plus. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to pass the test, yeah. but I was like going to like barely pass because I was like going to barely make it through because I wasn't going to be happy because of this problem I had. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I I never went to like a real conversion therapist, but I would 
like look at pamphlets online and Google and, and like did a lot of like psychological research about how to change my own orientation. And I would like practice conversion therapy on myself behind closed doors. And it was like not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was not healthy. It never made me feel good. I I felt very on edge and disappointed all the time. I was always disappointed in myself because it never worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess in this, we're not really talking about conversion therapy though. It's more this idea of like spiritually God fixing you with the atonement. Uh huh. Yeah. And, and, and it really, for me, like came down to this thing. Like I felt like there was something that was broken and wrong with me that needed to be fixed. Yeah. And I remember having this, this epiphany one day where I was like, God answers my prayers in like miraculous ways. Like, I don't know what other people's experiences are like, but I'll like pray for something and like God answers my prayers, like in really miraculous ways. And just like one example, I was, when I was working at the Provo temple, I like was having trouble making friends on my shift. And I was just like feeling kind of lonely there. Cause like all return, like recently returned missionaries and like all old men. And it was like me who was like 33 and like didn't have peers. Yeah. And so one day I was like walking to the temple. I'm like, God, I'm just kind of lonely at the temple. Can you help me make a friend? And so I'm like changing, like right after I get in there and the, the guy in the changing booth next to me is like, Hey, what was your name again? I said, oh, my name is Ben. And we, we started talking. He's like, you should come over for dinner sometime. Like my family would love to get to know you. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I just said this prayer like five minutes ago. Now God's like already giving me a friend. Yeah. So I have, I have those kinds of experiences all the time. So God answers your prayers, but never answered this one particular prayer. Correct. Like not even a little. And so that made me wonder, you know, if God hears and answers my prayers, like why isn't he answering this prayer? Yeah. Well, maybe it's a challenge that you're just supposed to face in this life. Could be. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I was just, <laughs> I was just playing along to see what you like. Like, how would you respond to that though? Like now? Yeah. So, cause that's, what's been told to me since I was like forever, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want to like put words in anyone else's mouth. Like if someone wants to like view this as like a trial or a struggle or, you know, or whatever, like I, I, I'm fine with that. For me, those words like trial, struggle, temptation, inclination were like incredibly damaging to me. Tendency. Yes. Like a tendency. Yeah. And like the idea, like, I, like God had given me this thing. I just like had to learn to say no and then I could be exalted. And that was just like, that just was so bad for my soul mm-hmm. because I, it just like, once again, like, like made me feel inherently broken. And then once I started to like see my orientation, like not as a defect, but as a gift, like that was such a freeing thing. And once I stopped trying to trying to change it, I really saw how my orientation was it was a gift and not something that was wrong with me. For me, there was a lot of power in ownership and that as I was looking at it that way, I, I felt like I was a victim of something. Like I identified, I guess, as dealing with feelings of same-sex attraction. I put it as far away as possible from me because it was something bad. You know, it was like an illness, a disease. And, and I didn't want to be defined by that. And as I kind of had the same kind of conclusion that you did, Ben, of this is part of me, this is a gift, that's when I started identifying myself differently. I took on a more identity-based label that felt like this was part of me and something to be honored and something I can move forward with rather than run away from. Uh-huh. You know, and I think, like, I wrote about this in, in my book, but there's a line where I wrote, like, I spent so much time trying to change who I was that I missed out on being who I was. Yeah. Uh-huh. I feel like my orientation is something that was designed for me. That's beautiful. And, and the reason that God didn't change me was because I'm not supposed to be changed. I mentioned this in my book. It's in my first chapter of this experience I had that was the first time that I really felt like I was created intentionally and that this aspect of my identity is is whole and doesn't need to change. I was at the Washington, D.C. temple praying 
And it was one of the first times that I'd ever like prayed in a way that wasn't rooted in this idea of God, please change me. My prayer shifted and it wasn't like, I'm so sorry for who I am. I'm so sorry for who I am. Please fix me. It was like, hey, if this is never going to change, let me know why and what I should do with it. And and that's like a small shift, but it's also a pretty dramatic shift yeah. of please change me to, okay, what should I do with this? And as I said that prayer, I had one of the most transcendental, beautiful spiritual experiences of my life. I would say the most. It was really some, it was so powerful. How much should I share? I'll share this yeah. experience was given to me. I'll share with people. I, I, I had like visions of, of my identity of, of my soul of who I am. And it was like this mixture of like imagery and feeling. And part of that was, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound crazy, Ben. I, I don't, but, and this is, you know, more deeply than I've shared previously, but, but I saw myself in the pre-mortal life as me having this component of me. And, and I felt that my heavenly parents knew that and understood it and were okay okay with it. Like it, it wasn't an issue, but, and, and I was sent to earth at this time, not to, not for it to be like the challenge that I would overcome, but as something to develop my character and provide ways to serve and provide ways to develop a faith in Jesus Christ. And I saw myself wanting, like wanting to come to earth as, as gay. And as I was thinking about the, the pre-moral life and who I am now, that kind of like took it away from this, like, this is like some curse that I was given to, this is a, a blessing, this is something I like. And then it also moved into the next life where, where I saw myself with God as whole, as me. And it's weird, I don't really know how to explain it because it wasn't so much focused on like, I am gay, but it was just like, this is my makeup, this is my spiritual DNA, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And... I felt loved and held and accepted and validated in that. So, so what I'm hearing you say is like, to use an analogy, like you kind of viewed your orientation as kind of like maybe something you carried around Mm -hmm. and then you saw that it was like actually like part of your being. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What did that do for you? It changed my entire life. I stopped hating myself. I became way less depressed, way less anxious, way more connected to God And I also started giving more and serving more and opening up to where I could like connect with other people. And it, that really, that experience was kind of like the, the catalyst in my, like even being on this podcast, like coming out in a way that was centered on trying to, to help people because I know what it feels like, what it felt like for me to be viewing myself through that other lens. Yeah. I didn't have a moment like that. But I can think I th- I can think back like on the time of my life when things changed for me, like when I stopped saying same sex attraction or SSA because that for me was like if when I said I had same sex attraction that was and I want to say like people can definitely self define that way, but for me it was like there's this thing that I need to change mm-hmm. and then for me like starting to call myself gay was like okay I tried to change I can't I'm just gonna like thrive with what God's given me. And that was like in my late twenties. And I just like remember some things that happened around that time, just like having a crush on a guy and like not feeling bad about it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Josh and Lolly Weed like wrote their coming out post, and I was like, they're happy. They've been married for 10 years. I was like, I can be gay and say I'm gay and still get married. So it was like, I felt like there was like all this whole, like all these possibilities ahead of me. You mentioned possibilities, and I was thinking about this in terms of like having a soft heart, like a broken heart, a contrite spirit. And in the scriptures, there's this phrase of like softening your heart. And for a really long time, my prayers were said with a hard heart when it came to this aspect of who I am, because I was only looking for one answer. Mm -hmm. And that time when I softened my heart and I was really like, okay, God, like guide me, I'm going to open myself up to a lot of different possibilities and then trust that with faith and personal revelation, I can move forward on the path that's going to be right for me. And to me, that kind of represents looking back a softening of my heart and the answer that I was like, even like the possibility of answer that I thought I could get was opened. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to make healthier decisions. Yeah. Also, I was thinking about like, just like faith in the power of Jesus Christ in the healing power of Christ's atonement. And I used to think that the healing that I needed was like a switch in orientation, mm-hmm. but the healing that I really needed was just like love for myself. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the, the way I've, I've talked about it in the past is like, I read ether twelve twenty seven as like, I've got this weakness. My weakness is being gay. And if I'm just, if I turn to Christ then God will take away my weakness of being gay and then make it a strength by like making me straight. But that wasn't my weakness at all. Like, like my weakness was like not trusting God and his plan. My weakness was this, this shame and self hatred that I felt. And then as I turned to God, like that shame went away and that self hatred went away. Yeah. Like my heart needed to heal, not my orientation. Exactly. And and actually like, like having that paradigm shift of like, I don't need to heal my orientation was like one of the huge things that really brought me to like a life where I was like happy and thriving. Yeah. And I can like picture 22 year old Ben, like in the closet hearing me say that like and freaking, and freaking out. out. <laughs> yeah. Cause all, cause all I wanted was to be straight. Like I just wanted to live a normal life. Like anything I could have done to change it, I would have done. And the idea that it was going to stay with me for the rest of my life would like terrified me. Yeah. I'm not sure terrified is like even a strong enough word. Like it like immobilized me with fear. Well, like think of the, perceived eternal consequences of that. I remember like once I like started thinking about what was going on in my life and I just like needed to talk about it, but I couldn't talk about it. Cause I was so afraid. I was like, I like wanted to like write about it, but I couldn't write about it in my journal because then my kids would read it someday and they would know they're, they're, totally. I yeah. stopped keeping a journal for that very reason. Yeah. So, so I had this secret journal that I like hid. <laughs> I'm like, it's this, I just like say it. It is like so long ago. I just, it's just so weird to like try and put myself back in those shoes. Yeah. Just like thinking about, I just was just like so terrified I just wanted to do anything I could. Like, I remember just like writing, like, God, I want to be good. Like, I want to be good. I'm trying to be good. Just like, please help me be good. Like, like help me just live the life that I'm supposed to live. And well, and that's sad, Ben, because you're thinking that there's something inherently evil about you just because you exist. Yeah. And I mean, that's not just me thinking that I talk to young, young kids all the time. Oh, today. that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. And people say that all the time. Like, like, like why is this an evil part of me? Like, like why do I have this evil part of me? I just want to be good. You know, that analogy, it's like, I think it's, I don't want to, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's a Native American, like, lore, or maybe it's just a story, who knows, but it's like, there's these two wolves, and there's like, a good wolf and a bad wolf, and the one that lives is the one you feed, Mm -hmm. right? And people are like, I don't want to feed the bad part of me, I don't want to accept this, and I'm like, you're just abusing yourself, Mm -hmm. you're not not feeding a bad wolf, you're just like, hurting you, Mm -hmm. 
I also was thinking about Philippians 4.13 where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about it today because that's like, was used to be like one of my mantra scriptures. Like I can do this and Christ's going to strengthen me. And it says Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say like Christ who changes me or Christ who flips my identity. Like Christ strengthened me in an unforeseen way. Mm-hmm. He strengthened my testimony, my sense of self, my eternal view of who I am and who I am to become and how I'm to serve. And I, when I think about like, like who I am, Oh gosh, like, like now looking back, changing my orientation would have been the worst thing that could have happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like I do not want that to happen. It's, it's, it would be horrible because I would lose such an integral part of me. Like I, I don't want that at all. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm not even sure that God could change our orientation. You know, I've wondered that as well. Like, let's say, I mean, can God like change our genders? Like, I mean, there's so much, like, once again, like, we're not theologians and we're not, like, called <laughs> we're, to teach doctrine. some sticky space yeah, I, here. we're getting into some weeds here. But, like, like we all existed before we were spirits. Like, we were all yeah. intelligences. Did intelligences have gender? Did they have orientation? Like, I don't know. So, when our heavenly parents created us and made us spirits, like, did they, like, choose a gender for us? Did they, like, choose an orientation for us? Or was it, like, already there? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's not like a learned characteristic. And, and it's not like some sort of like bad habit or sin that can be changed. It just like is, it just is. Even I used to like think about the resurrection and I think it's in, is it in Alma 40 where it talks about like being restored and like the body and the spirit will be in a perfect form. Is it's this true? around there probably. It's in that, that vicinity. And I used to like imagine myself being resurrected as a straight eternal being. And that gave me hope. When I think about it now, I'd actually be like incredibly disappointed if that happened. (laughs) I don't think it will because like I said, I feel like this is more of an, like an internal identity trait that I have and I'm cool with it. Like, cool. I like who I am. I don't know. Like, again, I don't know if we can like predict what's going to happen in the next life because you, you can't, but me personally, I don't really feel that that will be the case. I reserved the right to change my mind on any of this because I have changed my mind about it in the past. Yeah. But you know, there there were there was a lot of my life, most of my twenties, where I thought that as soon as I was dead, I would be straight. Yeah. And, and honestly, Charlie, when I was your age, when I was twenty seven, that's what I thought. Like mm-hmm. as soon as I was like, this was something that was happening in my mortal life that would be gone once I wasn't like mortal anymore. And then when I was like dating Jordan and like in love with Jordan, I was like, Jordan and I are going to be together for eternity and we're going to be sealed uh-huh. together. And like I had worked all out in my head. I was like, they're in the celestial kingdom. There are three heavens or degrees. And the top one is for straight people so that they can have kids for all eternity, which I don't really want to do anyway. And then tier two is for the gays who want to be sealed together. And the bottom tier is for people who want to stay single. Like that's really how I saw it. And I was like, that is for sure what's going to happen. And then, you know, things with Jordan ended. And I just got to a place where I was like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the next life. And right now I don't really need to know. I don't need to know what my orientation is going to be like in eternity. And there's a scripture in first John three, two that I really like that says, it says, beloved, now are we the children of God and it, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but this, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And what I like about that scripture is it says, you know, what we know now is we're God's children and we don't know what we're going to be like later, but we know what matters is we want to be like Jesus. And so like, that's what I try and focus on. Like I've stopped caring about, you know, in the next life, am I going to be gay or straight? I mean, I, I have my opinions and assumptions, but 
that doesn't matter to me as much as like, am I becoming like Jesus Christ? Yeah. Like if I become straight, but I'm not humble, then what does it matter? Like if I, <laughs> like, like, like if I'm gay and I don't have charity, like what does it matter? You know? <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. It's actually funny. Like, like to be completely honest, I, I was saying that and that's the first time I've really said that on like a more public, I don't know, like I've told people in private that I don't, that I think I'm going to be like gay forever mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've, I'm comfortable with that. But like, I don't know why it's like so difficult to say that. Will you help me figure that out? Yeah. I mean it, well, (laughs) like, okay, first of all, like I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to like give people, but, but at the same time, it feels like I'm not allowed to say that. Yeah. Well, and and like, I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) So like I said at the beginning, like, like a problem well-defined is a problem half solved. And you know, the problem I had is that I didn't see a place for a gay Ben in eternity. Yeah. And I'm not sure that the, well, the, the way I've been taught that, you know, gay people fit or LGBTQ people fit into the plan of salvation is that we're children of God, but this part of us goes away. And the way I've been taught the doctrine is that there isn't really room for LGBTQ people in an exalted world. So that's a problem. And because, you know, we, we don't know where we fit in. And so what that requires of us is that we have to have a lot of faith and hope for a future that we might not even want, but that we have to trust that God is like good and that we won't end up with an eternity that we, that God's not going to be like, aha, I gotcha. (laughs) You're straight now. And here's a girl. (laughs) Um, um, But but the the truth is the way, the way like the celestial kingdom has been taught to me, like there isn't room for gay people. Yeah. And I mean, there's room for Ben Shalati, but Ben Shalati is going to be married to a woman. That's the way it's been taught to me. Okay. Okay. And I like, I don't know. That, that, that feels uncomfortable to me, but it's definitely, it's definitely uncomfortable to me. But, but then I also think of like, this is an ongoing restoration. So like, like think of all the unknowns, like how do we even explain something eternal? Right. So what I've said in the past is like, I've lived all over the world and all over the Western United States. I've lived in a bunch of different houses and I've seen pictures of these, all these places before I've gone. And every time I get there, it's different than I expected. Yeah. Like it is super different. Mm -hmm. And like, I just have no idea what heaven's going to look like because it's going to be different than I imagine. Yeah. Well, and I also think like the way I got to where I am now is by asking God. And so I think if you're wondering if God's going to change your orientation, you can ask, you know? And, and like I said, it, it, that's, that's differing from asking God to change your orientation, but just like being open to possibilities. Mm-hmm. And then once you feel a little bit more settled in like your identity, who knows, maybe for like, maybe for me, it's eternal for someone else. It's not, I don't really know. And I'm not going to try to like give one sort of like cookie cutter answer for everyone. But like, if you really have a sincere desire ask and you shall receive, knock and it shall be open unto you. But I would kind of like caveat to try to do so with a, a soft heart, as I was saying, and be open to different options and kind of be willing to go into that, that misty space where you're not sure what the next steps look like. Yeah. Or else you're just going to keep running into a wall. Yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of you know, like male gay friends who are like, you know, I want to be married to a woman. Like I want to have kids. Like I want to have this traditional family life. I just, it's not something I'm sure I can do. And like, I think that's beautiful. Like those desires are beautiful. That wasn't really something I wanted. Like I never really wanted to have kids or be married to a woman. I just like felt like I was supposed to. And I just like wanted to have like a best friend that I lived with. Like all the girls I dated, they were like my best friends. And I just like loved hanging out with them. But like the idea of like actually being married to them. And I remember like the girl I dated the longest, I remember just like, picturing our future together. And I would just like 
freak out. I'm like, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I like pictures like having a baby. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I can't do that. It just like scared me so much. Well, and here's the deal. I don't necessarily believe that wanting to have kids and wanting a family equates to wanting to be straight. Definitely. I, I think that's, I think that's accurate. My, my point was that, that there are a range of things that people want yeah. and a range of like goal, like life and eternity goals that people have. Yeah. And that's, healthy. I think that's good. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like be too harsh on the doctrine, but like the problem for me really was that there's no room for me in exaltation. Yeah. Like that was the real problem. And I remember like the moment I like became okay with that was I was like doing stealing to the temple and I was sealed like as a child by proxy. And some of the promises made in those, and and, and that ordinance are the same as in the sealing ordinance. I was like, okay, if I'm not married, like I still get these sealing blessings. And that like gave me a lot of peace. Hmm. And so I just kind of got to a place where I was like, you know, I don't know what my like future is going to look like in eternity. I don't know if I'm going to be straight in the next life. I don't know if I'm going to be gay. I don't know what orientation is even going to look like, but like I'm sealed to my family. And right now that's going to be enough for me. I'm going to share an experience and, and I hope this, like, I'm not trying to make a direct comparison with this. I'm just trying to like explain a point. I watched a video the other day in one of my classes. It's Elder Renland, and he's talking about suicidal ideation and suicide. One of the things, like one of the points of the video is that there's kind of like an outdated or like, I think he used the word antiquated way of looking at things where people who die by suicide are cut off from certain blessings in the eternities. And he said, that is wrong. That is absolutely not true. And then gave a more restored spiritual current view of the the spirituality and the place and the love for people who have died by suicide. And removing from, from that topic, I was just thinking about this idea of like old ways of thinking versus new ways of thinking and how there are certain people that didn't have a place in heaven that now have a place in heaven because it's been revealed. And, and sometimes I think, I mean, like, good revelation comes from good information. And as we Mm -hmm. understand more and get to know a situation or a topic or an issue, we can receive better inspiration on that. And I I think that explains like how the church is evolving right now. And I think suicide was one of those things where there, there just wasn't good information on it. And the inspiration was, was lacking in a certain sense, but we're not there anymore. And so just like that type of, I guess, revelatory process made me think about like different types of people or identities that used to not really have a place in the plan of salvation as presented by current church structure Mm -hmm. that now do. And I feel confident and hopeful that a similar thing will happen for LGBTQ people as there is better information and exposure and education, more inspiration will come that will give us a more robust full picture of who we are and how we are going to fit in God's eternal plan. Yeah. You know, I, I was, is that okay to say, I, you know, I think it's okay to say as, lo- as long as we say, like, I, I really am not trying to like mirror those two things at all. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, the truth is like, it would be very inappropriate for us to say like what the church will or won't do or what God will or won't teach us. Exactly. But obviously there's further light knowledge that God has to give us on the subject. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I think as long as we're like looking for further light knowledge, like we're, we're good. As long as we're not like telling God what to tell us. I can't believe you just let me muddle through like three <laughs> minutes of weeds and you were just like, 
there is further light and knowledge for us. And I was like, yes, yeah. yes, that, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> Cause like, obviously like this is like, we don't know everything. And you know, I think about like the beautiful doctrines we have about like children who, who die when they're like, when they're infants, mm-hmm. which is like such a terrible tragedy that Joseph Smith and his wife experienced multiple times. And they were struggling with this and trying to like figure things out. And then Joseph got like all these beautiful revelations like about that. And you know, I think about how beautiful those revelations were like, like for my brother and my sister-in-law when, when their baby died. Yeah. And, you know, that, and that's because like they were actively thinking about this. Yeah. And, you know, the reason I said, you know, a problem well-defined is a problem half solved is because I'm not sure enough people have been thinking about how hard it is for gay people to realize that they don't fit. Yeah. Like in eternity, like, like we don't fit. Like they ha- no one has figured out how we fit except that we change our orientation. And, and I'm at a place spiritually and maturation wise where I'm okay not knowing. Like I'm okay with an ambiguous eternity. And a lot of people aren't there. Yeah. And I wasn't there for a long time. And it just causes a lot of pain and heartache. And Charlie, honestly, it sounds like you're not at a place where you're okay with ambiguity with that either. You're, you've decided. Like you, you're at a place where like right now you're settled that you're going to be gay in the, in the next life. I think so. Yeah. But that came because I was thinking about it. I was occupied by it. And like you were saying, I was thinking about it so much and putting a lot of effort into figuring it out for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that the church as a whole needs to be doing more effort this way. Yeah. I, I gave a, a like a training on ministering to LGBTQ saints a, a couple years ago. And during the Q&A, this guy raised his hand. This is actually just last year. Uh, well, it was right before the pandemic. And this, this guy raised his hand. This is exactly what he said. He said, sorry to ask you a gotcha question, but isn't the atonement all about change? And shouldn't you be, shouldn't the atonement be changing your orientation? I, and I, I told him a lot of things I've said today, you know, it's not about being gay or straight, it's about becoming like Jesus. And, but you know, I, I think that's just how so many people, to so many people it's been figured out. Like this is a problem that will get fixed. Well, to the people that it's figured out for, they're not the ones who are affected by it. Mm-hmm. The ones who are affected by it are being ravaged spiritually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because people have it figured out that don't, and, and that's why like, the credibility that I gave us at the beginning of this episode was people who have been through this. And Mm -hmm. like, we have to put stock in that credibility because like, who's going to know whether God will change someone's orientation, but the person who's been trying. Yeah. You know, can I define one more problem, please? So the problem for me, and I've seen this happen in a lot of other people's lives is once I got to a place where I like felt settled about my orientation, I was like, I am done with this church because mm-hmm. they don't have a place for me. Yeah. And that's, that was the time when I was like out, I was ready to, I was ready to leave. I didn't leave, but that's what happened. Huge like that problem. And, and I say that happening all the time. Like once someone learns to like be okay with their orientation and like not hate themselves for it, then they're out. And it doesn't happen with everybody, but I see it happen a lot. And that's a problem. And if, if we can define that problem a little more, then maybe we can start solving it. I, I also think that sometimes the answer that I've gotten is like, well, God loves you and I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. You know, you know, which I, which is a beautiful sentiment, but that like you were saying there, there has to be like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I hear like church leaders say like really beautiful things like like to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, like stay faithful, keep your covenants and all the blessings God has prepared for everyone else, like will be yours one day. And when I hear that, I, I don't know what they're thinking, but I hear them saying, you know, at some future day, you'll be able to be married to an opposite sex spouse for eternity. And well, that might be just the way you're interpreting it as well. It could be like, I don't know what they mean, but how else are we supposed to interpret it when that's what's been fed to us? Yeah our entire lives. That's what know? people tell me. They, yeah. like, like they tell me like, like Ben, you just be faithful and you'll be married to a woman for eternity. But I like, like you tell that to me. I'm like, I do not want that. Mm-hmm. 
And so uh, again, and I don't know, I'm not trying to like rock people's worlds here, but it is, it, it rocked mine realizing that like, am I working towards an exaltation that I have, I want no part of? Like, like you have to like think critically about this. It gets complex. Yeah. And I remember like having that same thought process where I'm like, do I even want to go to heaven? And then in that case, it's like, well, cool. Like who cares if I break my covenants? Cause that's an angle that I don't want anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like that's why that happens, Ben. That's why when you, when you figure out when you be accept yourself, it's so easy to leave the church. Cause like a, there's not a place for you and B you don't want what they're trying to sell, mm-hmm. you know? I don't want to make it that, that seem like I don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> like I definitely do. But like just my view has been expanded of, the, of what that could potentially look like for me. Yeah. And, and it, that is something like I want to keep my covenants and stay close to Christ and move towards a heavenly future. I just wish more people would think about this in a way that doesn't have it all figured out. And that we can get some better information. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I told the story, you know, too many times about, you know, my friends Kevin and Allison getting getting sealed and like the, the spiritual experience I had there when like I was about ready to leave the church and and while I was watching them get sealed, I just like felt this strong impression that like no matter what happened, I needed to be able to be in that place with those people forever. And you know, Kevin and Allison, like they're my family and their like their families are my family. And like the thing that God told me that like kept me in the church was like these relationships with these people are supposed to be eternal. And so, you know, even though I don't like know what exaltation is going to look like, I know who I want to be in heaven with. And like, I know the relationships I have that I want to be eternal and I want to li- live my life in such a way that these people that I care about now are going to be, you know, part of, of me forever. And, and I would say, I, I also want to live a fruitful life on earth. Mm-hmm. that allows me to serve and grow and isn't based on some sort of belief that part of me is disgusting and wrong. Like I I've, I'm so much happier and so much better since I've been able to be okay with, with who I am. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to change the questions of this episode. Like the question is like, 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 will God change my orientation? And I think the better question is like, will God make me like Jesus? And like, for me it has been so much more fruitful to try and think of, okay, I don't want to focus on whether I'm going to marry a person. I don't want to focus on like that. I want to focus on like, who am I going to become? And as I've like changed my focus to like developing Christ-like attributes and acting like the savior would and doing what he would do, like that is what has made my life fruitful. Like for me, like, yes, it was incredibly important to like stop hating myself because of my orientation. But the thing that like really did it for me was being like, okay, this is, this is the structure of my life right now. This is what my life, like, I'm not going to marry a woman that just isn't going to work, but I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. And I'm going to become like Jesus while I do that. And that's when I started to thrive. And like, my life has been so good ever since. And like, I really love my life like so much. I know what I said just now might sound a little Pollyannish, but like for, for, for me, it's a bit. Ben, you are so Pollyanna. <laughs> it's true. It's amazing. To but, but like, that's actually perfect. You're saying, I was like, Ben, that's the perfect word for what I was thinking <laughs> as you said it. <laughs> uh, but like, it's, it's still true, you know, like that's, it still accurately describes my life. Yeah. And no one has to like that or do that, but like, that's, that's true to me. Yeah. Well, when I think of this question, the original question, not the one that you made Pollyanna, <laughs> Which was good. That was a beautiful thing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think, will God change my orientation? Ben, that question was terrible, but thank you. <laughs> will God change my orientation? No, I, I really don't believe so. And and that's like a that's a cool answer that I know something more about myself and I can move forward. And, and I feel just more hopeful with that, you know? Yeah. 
And so I I can't say what's going to happen for anyone else, but I know for me, this is what I've received and, and I am happy. Like I'm moving forward with that and I like where I'm going. Yeah. And when I asked my, when I asked myself that question, like, will God change my orientation? I think like right now that is not important for me to know. Like mm-hmm. I am done asking that question because it was killing me. But if like, if I'm going to like project what I, what I imagine, I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to even in the eternities, but, but I don't know. And I'm open to see like what, blessings God has for me that I don't can't even imagine yet. Yeah. Thank you. Ben, as we're wrapping things up, I want to call back something you said that you like reserve the right to change your mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. That's healthy. And I also want to like claim that right for myself. (laughs) I reserve the right to change my mind, but thank you for like, I really liked this discussion between us Uh because I feel like I know more about you. And I also feel like I know more about myself. Yeah, definitely. And like, this is where I'm at at 37 and where you're at at 27 and who knows where I'll be at 47. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Hopefully still good looking (laughs) silver Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram or Facebook at questions from the closet or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We are not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard two perspectives and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time.